You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority of their families. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. My name is Todd Lesher. I'm your host. And today we're talking about marriage and parenting. And I'm super excited to share that Diana Carter is joining me to co-host this episode. Diana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Todd. I am happy to be here. I'm happy too. Well, why don't you tell us everything about your life (laughs) in 60 seconds or less, starting Um, now. All right. So I am Diana. I am originally from Long Island, New York. Moved to Charlotte about six and a half years ago now. Um, I am married to my husband, Tyler, and we've been married for three and a half years. And we have a six-month-old son named Leander who has been just such a joy and also simultaneously changed everything about our lives. (laughs) Um, New South Carolina resident, so hopped the border about a week and a half ago, and um, have been at Forest Hill Church for, I guess, about six and a half years as well. Right on. Maybe our first guest from, you said Long Island, Rhode Island? Oh, Strong Island. Strong Island? Where's that? (laughs) Long Island, New York, yes. (laughs) Well, excellent. Our first guest from there. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And that was exactly 59 seconds somehow. Well, how are you feeling about being the first co-host on the Parenting Podcast? You know, co-host feels like there is not too much pressure because um, I feel like I'm the Robin to your Batman. Hey. Nice, dynamic duo. Yeah, I'm feeling that. And also we get to ask the questions, not have to answer them. Yes, yes. And one of those reasons is I've been married for 14 years. I'm around that anniversary. I think that's right. I could look at our guests today and they could tell me if I'm correct. And I think that's right. How long have you been married? Uh, Three and a half years. Three and a half years. So I wouldn't put myself at pro status uh, when it comes to marriage, but there are people in my life, in your life, who are at that level. They are people that I look up to, and they're on the podcast today. So we're not going to really talk about our marriages as the gleaming example, uh, even though there's great things about our marriages that we can offer to the world, but we do have some gleaming examples. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We always say that. There's no perfect people, no perfect parents, and there's no perfect marriage. But We're grateful for our guests today. Robbie and Janet Fisher are back on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I know. Thanks for that compliment. You got it. Well, it's true. We'll believe it for you guys there. I know you don't go around saying that we're the gleaming example of marriage, but we love it and respect you both very highly. You're some fan favorites uh, from the podcast as well. So, because you are fan favorites, I thought we would start with a round of faves just to hear about your lives in just a little bit of a different way. This is the couples edition. All right, so I'm going to go through a list of questions, just kind of rapid fire answers. And if you want to riff off one another, uh, not rip off one another, but just kind of play off each other's answers, then that would be fantastic for our listeners. So, first question What's your favorite place to go on a date? Yeah, so for us, we talked about this a little bit. The porch, our back porch, is actually one of yeah. our favorite places to it's go. It's That's quiet. Sweet. We mm-hmm. put candles up. We listen to the birds. Yeah, and Todd, you were part of building that porch. Yep, the part uh, that's falling apart. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. I know exactly that part. Yeah, yes. Eight years ago yeah. for our anniversary, 25th anniversary. Yeah, and I would yeah. say that for Abby and I, too. The back porch has become our date spot. Very practical. Yeah. 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 You got a porch? Um, we have a patio. That works. It yeah, counts. Yeah, set up it counts. Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Leander's <laughs> taking a nap. Mm-hmm. You guys get some porch time? All right. Question number two. What's one of your favorite parenting memories? So one time uh, when the girls were two and four, I decided to take a road trip to visit grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. in Nashville mm-hmm. by myself. And so that's kind of a, I was really happy it snowed. And I just remember being with the girls, you know, watching the snow come down in the house and on top of the roof. And uh, Janet had the free week to just be herself and to breathe mm-hmm. and not worry about us at all. And I was just kind of proud that I was able to get the girls there and back yeah, and not seriously. drive them crazy. In the forerunner? Yeah, yeah in the forerunner back <laughs> in the day. Still chugging along. That might have been in the Celica. Oh. So if it's yeah. Celica, then it's cassette tapes. Are yeah. you just going through cassette tapes? Oh, oh, 
yeah, totally. We were playing. I think we played 105 <laughs> Beatles songs straight. <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah. I've tried to replicate that with uh, Alan. I think he and I went on a road trip up to see my mom and dad. And I was, he was like, can we watch videos? I was like, we're listening to cool music, man. There you like, go. I'm done listening to this. Let's watch some videos. Okay. All right, what was one of your favorite things about each other when you were dating? So this is a, you both have to answer this one. Mm-hmm. This is really easy, actually, yeah. because we have um, a lot in common. Um, we're both Cub fans. So um, I grew up in Chicago, and my mom took me to Wrigley Field. And most people know, like, Robbie's just crazy mm-hmm. about the Cubs. Yeah. And so um, also I'm, I'm a really love music a lot. And so uh, I think when he, the first time we got together, mm-hmm. I had to, happened to be driving. And I had, oh, here's this new cassette I have. And he had never heard the band. Mm. And then I was telling him about going to Wrigley Field a couple times every summer, and there just was a little bit of drool that just started. That was all. That was all it took for just you know for his heart to be woo. Yeah, he had like the cartoon heart. Yes, that's right. Roger Rabbit. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. And how long have you guys been married? Thirty-four years. Thirty-four years. Wow. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Oops, 33. Hey. <laughs> How long have I been married? <laughs> 14. 14 is correct. We've known each other 34. So that's, that's right. I think okay. I got I got. The same uh, weekend yes. that we met was the same weekend a year later yeah. that we got married. Wow. So yeah. literally the same weekend we celebrate 33 years of marriage. And on Monday, it's 34 years of having met each other. That's mm-hmm. sweet. So it's yeah. kind of fun. What was the cassette? The Allies. Have you ever heard of them? A huge fan. Fan? <laughs> am... no, it's an 80s band. 80s Christian. 80s I Christian. Yeah. I, I, I can't say I know them. Yeah, I have no. never heard of them. Okay, okay so there you go. Yeah. One for to Janet. Them on the way here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the thing that drew me towards Janet, or, or one of them, is um, at the party that we kind of met, I had a friend who I asked, who is you know, this young lady across the way. And this this girl described her as someone who had taught Bible studies and been a part of the Christian scene at Baylor University, but had kind of said, you know what, I, I want to go back to ground zero. I want to really establish firmly my relationship with Christ. And so she kind of had turned over the leadership for a bit and had just put herself in a place of beginning of submission of let me learn and that just was so charming to me of wow someone who already has been the leader is now being a follower just to see to to reground themselves in faith so that kind of got my attention that was someone else talking about her Mm. that's sweet yeah Uh, number four so you have this phrase that you are on a perpetual <laughs> date now, but I've got to use the phrase that it comes from to ask the question. What's your favorite part of being empty nesters mm-hmm. on a perpetual date? Mm-hmm. You like to spin that. So what's, what's been the favorite part of that? So I, I think Janet and I, when we evaluate who we are, we are more principal people than like, you know, day-by-day ritual kind Mm -hmm. of people. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you make sure that you have this date every week or you make sure that you have this Bible study or pray this way or have this family devotion. So we've always been more principled. And one principle that we've lived by is after a wedding, there comes a marriage. And after the marriage, uh, after children, there comes a marriage. Mm -hmm. So we've been living this all along that we knew a day would come when the kids are gone. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to continually to pursue each other as best friends. So then once the the kids are gone, we're like, oh, I like you. (laughs) And as a result, that's that's why it's turned into a perpetual date is because we enjoy each other's presence and Mm -hmm. we've kind of lived out that principle of don't let your kid, don't Mm -hmm. let your marriage be kid-centered. Yes be centered around, you know, what God has done in the two of you and draw that and allow the kids to benefit from that. I, mm-hmm. I've always loved that 
mm-hmm. vantage point. And I'm sure we'll get to how later yes, in this podcast, yes, which yes. I'm eager to hear. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. What's your favorite thing about being married to one another today? You know, one of the things that amazes me of being married for 33 years, you think that someone knows you and that you're, you know, when you get married, you're, you lay your guard down and you feel, okay, you know, this person knows and loves me for everything that I am. But then, you know, you... As you age or as you um, new things come up or you look deeper inside, just being able to go, you know, Robbie, I'm struggling with this today or this is my new vulnerability and him going and him still going, I just love you. Let's talk about that. And to me, that's one of the most um, great things is that I don't have to act like I have it all together. I can look at him and say, I'm struggling Mm -hmm. with this and he can love me in that in that moment you know it's yeah. there's nothing like and we say this all the time being fully known mm-hmm. and fully loved and that's yeah. not just when you the day you get married that's when you've been married 50 years you're a new person you're different and so that's having somebody who you know knows I'm, i have this ache in my hip you know or whatever <laughs> it is and and him going oh that's concerning to me or you know something more vulnerable that is to me, a beautiful gift that I've been given. Yeah, yeah and freeing. Mm-hmm. Like. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tim Keller says, my wife has been married to six men, and each one of them was me. Mm. In other words, over and over, I'm changing. Yeah. And it's so mm. safe that when, yeah. you're, when you're able to be that vulnerable that your changes, she doesn't know how I'm going to change and who I'm going to be, but I'm different now than I was five years ago, then I will be five years from now. Mm-hmm. But loving that person, yeah, yeah. you know, that through fully, fully known, fully loved is mm. a big deal. There's so much yeah. gospel and grace mm-hmm. in that phrase, totally. and it's just whatever the the right analogy for it. It's a foundation. It's a lifeboat. It's a, a guiding star value for um, healthy marriage, which we'll get into. But one thing to just brag on, Robbie, um, I spent a lot. Of time with Robbie just throughout the years and Robbie is always talking about Janet mm-hmm. and it's it's like you were saying it's he'll tell me that your hip hurts you know <laughs> but it's on his mind it's like right. and it's that way of just going hey I want to bring a friend into this like can you be praying for Janet but mm-hmm. he'll also say like Janet got a new job and mm-hmm. she's doing such an incredible mm-hmm. job at mm-hmm. it and so right. it's just amazing for that sort of yeah. element like you're talking about it's really really special and sweet to see. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into some of the components that you all exhibit here and how you got there, how you're growing in that way. And we'll get to parenting, but I do want to start with marriage. And so for you all, what are some of the components of healthy marriage? When you hear that phrase, what comes to mind? I think one of the main things that I think of is just trusting someone's heart mm-hmm. that and their motive. So we have this thing that we say all the time, um, it's better to be stupid than it is to be mean. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you soak that in just a yeah. moment. I'll let you guess who the stupid one is. <laughs> Is and, it hanging on your wall uh, somewhere? It should somewhere. be. It somewhere. should be, yeah. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess it needs a little explanation. <laughs> so so really what where it comes from is that when, you know, something bad happens, like let's say you're you come home from work and you you've had this really important meeting or something something major's happening and your spouse is not clued into it and you you can make the choice to go look at my watch how long is it going to take before he asks me about mm-hmm. that meeting mm-hmm. 2 minutes 5 minutes and so i'm going He's just, you know, yeah. and I can I can um, interpret that as you're mean. You don't care. You, you know, I can take give him that motive, or I can just call him stupid, and I can say, you know what? He's just stupid. He just needs a little help. Mm-hmm. And so we made a commitment. This was about ten years into our marriage that we realized we were struggling to trust each other's heart, but it's really their mo- each other's yeah. motive. Right. Um, behind the things behind the dumb things that we do. And um, I just feel like that's a red flag for marriages when you get to the point where you go, 
I, I'm, I'm assigning you a negative, a bad motive, mm-hmm. the worst motive, yes. instead of, well, maybe you're just being stupid in this moment and you just need a little mm-hmm. hint. Mm-hmm. And so we made a commitment that we would say, hey, I know you want to ask me about that meeting. And the other person has to say, oh, yes, I really do. Oh, my gosh, tell me about the meeting. And so, and, and so it's a little bit of an intentionality, but it has really helped us. We have lived by that commitment of not letting time go by, mm. of not going, I'm just going to sit here and stew. I'm going to trust that you're just in this moment being dumb. And, you know, lots of other moments, but this is just the example. And let me help you. Let me tell you what's deep inside me right now that you wouldn't be yeah. thinking that, you know, I feel really vulnerable about this because um, I forgot what it was the other day we were talking about that. And I said, there's three reasons I'm upset. And the third one, you wouldn't even know because it's so deep down inside. I can't wait to tell you. you know? I know. I was like, I'm just realizing it's part of why I'm upset. You know? And so I think just being able to assign him a positive motive and to trust He's human. He makes mistakes. He can even be selfish. Yeah. But he's not – he loves me. Yeah. He he wants the best for me, and he really does care. He mm-hmm. cares about the little things. He cares about what I care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the best piece of advice I got before mm-hmm. I got married. It was from my mother-in-law. I, I hit the jackpot mm-hmm. when it comes to in-laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you know – one of the best things I can tell you is to always assume the best in yeah. one another. Wow. That will save you a lot of heartache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've certainly not been perfect at it, but it's really encouraging to mm-hmm. hear that from you, that mm-hmm. that's been something that's been helpful in, mm-hmm. in y'all's marriage. Very, very yeah. helpful yeah. to us. One of the things I would throw in is um, know the differences between each other and and understand them, but then also celebrate them. Mm-hmm. So kind of one of the picture I have in my mind is that when you're different than your spouse, your kids get a fuller library. Mm. If you'll encourage yeah. that. So Janet's strength is leadership mm-hmm. and being able to see uh, as a visionary yeah. what's going forward and what, what we sh- should be about. And she might come to me sometimes and say, I feel bossy, but I see her even better than she sees herself. Mm-hmm. That you, no, you actually see the, the, the whole field for us. Mm-hmm. And you're being very directive right now, and that's a wonderful gift that you're giving our family. So when I'm able to see the differences and understand them and celebrate them, we're not in competition anymore, we're compliments. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to celebrate what she brings to the table, which is totally different than me. You know, one um, tool that you could use is the Enneagram. Yep which has come later in our um, marriage. We had this Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus book from the 80s and 90s. But that would help, too, because she's a three on the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. which makes all the sense in the world. She's a performer. She's a leader and a directive, and I'm a two. I'm a helper. Mm -hmm. I'm a server. So as we understand each other's gifts and celebrate them, then we make a team, which is beautiful. Yeah, that's incredible. And... I think incorporating faith into that, this is a gift from God. So mm-hmm. being able to praise God for what you yeah. have been blessed with in a spouse. Mm-hmm. There, but I want to jump back to the Enneagram as well, uh, just to throw some numbers out. What are you on the Enneagram, Diana? Ooh, I don't know. You don't know? No. All right. Well, then just the three of us, I think I'm a nine, you know, mm-hmm. which is what is nine speak. So um, Nine is the most loved one of all of them. This oh, is what I've read. Thank you. People who are nines are loved. So you'll have to report back, Diana. I will. I've been typed as a one. People have said they see one in me. I don't know what that means. Well, at least in Tyler's eyes. So (laughs) that that counts, right? Yeah, sure. But the thing, um, when it comes to what the Enneagram, the the relationship of understanding each other, Mm -hmm. it's it's been helpful for Abby and I. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for listeners, if you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, I think there's a good podcast called Typology Mm -hmm. that you can Mm -hmm. listen to to understand that. And when you understand people better, Mm -hmm. then it helps you have a more healthy relationship in understanding motivations, like you were saying, Janet, Mm -hmm. and understanding and appreciating differences Mm -hmm. as well. So Typology is one. There's also a book on marriage in the Enneagram that I think Suzanne Stabile mm-hmm. wrote that mm-hmm. Abby's reading. So she might Also, The me. Road Back to You. The Road Back mm-hmm. to You is a good starter. When when you mentioned the comment about Tim Keller, and he, 
said, my wife has been married to six different people and it's been me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are there stages or seasons of marriage that couples go through? And how, how have you experienced that? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, my goodness. I, I, I think I would put the, the marriage stages is this is at least our experience. So it might not be everyone's. People would ha- might have kids at different times or not have kids, and they're telling different stories of how they're involved in marriage. For our marriage, it was before kids and was about four years. Yeah. And then with kids, about 25 years. And then now afterwards, we've been, you know, probably four to five years now where we are. Mm-hmm. And so every, every phase is different. <clears throat> kind of the abiding principle that I have in my mind is Galatians 6.2, which says, bear one another's burdens. So especially when we had kids and our decision was for Janet to work uh, more like a part-time, and so she wasn't as involved in work, it would be easy for me to just kind of say, hey, nothing's changed. I'm just going about my daily routine. I'm a youth pastor. I have been. I'm continuing to be. And I would miss bearing the burden Mm -hmm. or the privilege of having children, but it's different for her than it is for me. Mm -hmm. And so I really needed to walk a mile in her shoes. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that we practically did that was I took one day a week that I had the girls and she worked, which, wow, all of a sudden that changes the way that, oh, yeah, just change that diaper. You know, just, okay, your daughter is crying, just deal with it. Well, all of a sudden when you're the one, and yeah. so we created traditions. And one of my favorite things about doing that is we had this um, tradition of going to MJ Donuts mm-hmm. every Friday morning. That was part of our date. And we would go there. Well, years later, when Allie graduated from high school and we hadn't been to MJ Donuts forever, she said, that's the place I mm. want to go on my graduation day mm. to go take pictures and remember that tradition that we had so mm-hmm. but i think those phases the what the meta narrative is over it all is continually bear each other's burdens because the roles are shifting when you have kids or when it's you know perpetual date and you're just yeah. getting to know each other yeah mm-hmm. or on the other side yeah new set of burdens new set right? of burdens. In, right. in those throughout those right. phases That's one right. of the phrases that abby and i use is to lighten each other's load yeah. mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. if the dishwasher is full it's, it's a cue to me. I'm the one to empty it. I lighten the load for the day because she's got a she's got burdens of her own that right. she's carrying. Mm-hmm. I can lighten it a little bit, and vice versa with mm-hmm. her. You know, can I make a meal and bring it to the ball game? It's just lightening the load, bearing right. each other's burden because it goes back to motivation and it goes back to the self awareness mm-hmm. of hey, they're living their life too, and it's mm-hmm. just as heavy on them mm-hmm. as it is on me. Mm-hmm. Now, moms may say differently because they're holding it down, you know, with <laughs> yep. the kiddos. Um, that, wh- how would you speak into your face uh, when it comes to, what, six-month-old? Yeah, Being married for three old. and a half years? And yeah, so we're very much in the everything is immediate, everything is I need mm. you now phase. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, one of the biggest challenges has been um, how to know how to lighten the load mm-hmm. when we – you know, beyond the tactical stuff of, you know, unloading the dishwasher yeah. or taking the trash out. Um, but we, we talk a lot about this whole idea of the mental load, right? Like, yeah. what yeah. what am I carrying? What are you carrying? And often, um, just in this phase where everything is high need and, and needs to be met immediately, um, we don't really have time to chat about it until, mm-hmm. say, 930 <laughs> at night, you mm-hmm. know, when we're able to finally sit down and slow down and say, how was your day? You know, what are you carrying? So I think that's the season that we're in and really trying to figure out how to be intentional. How do we carve out a date night? Is it a date night? Is it a a date day? Mm -hmm. Um, Or getting up early and having breakfast with each other, even if we'd rather sleep in, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure that out Mm -hmm. um, in a season where we don't really feel like we have the ability to cut things out because everything feels super essential, Right. you know? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's encouraging that you get through to the other side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you, and that's, mm-hmm. I think it comes back to what you were talking about being principle based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, 
you compared it with ritual based, which is fine. You're not saying one is better than the other. It's just mm -hmm. how you've chosen to live your life. So talk us through some of those principles that have navigated you through the seasons. I think that's what you're kind of alluding to. Yeah. When you go through the seasons, you need some things to anchor you mm -hmm. uh, when you're feeling pulled in a number of different directions, but they stay true to you when you when your kids do get older and you've been married a longer time, mm -hmm. principles stay true. So what are your principles that have guided you through your 33 years of marriage? And how have they maybe looked different, yes. right? Yeah. Because I think that I know that they've been iterative, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for sure, uh, we spoke about it earlier, but making sure that we put our marriage first and our kids' uh, needs second. And so one of the ways that um, that we're going to do that is by what we're going to say is broaden or widening the circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So only the two of us can work on our marriage, mm -hmm. right? Like it, I, I'm the only one who can meet his yeah. marriage needs. He's the only one who can meet my marriage needs. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about the physical needs of my children, a ride to school or, um, you know, a bottle mm -hmm. or whatever. Lots of people can do that. Yeah. And lots of people want to. Mm -hmm. So it's, the, but we live in a culture that we're like, don't be a burden. Do whatever you do, don't be a burden. And I mean, I just think mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest lies from the devil that mm. we that our culture deals with right now is just this temptation. You can do it on your own. You shouldn't be um, asking other people for help. You can't. You can't. That's not the way our cultures in the past have yeah. lived. And really, that's not the best way to live a full life. And yeah. so, being willing to be a burden, being willing to ask for help, being willing to say, "I know I asked you yesterday, <laughs> but I'm asking," you know, like something like that you would go, "Oh, I would never do that. I would never ask somebody two days in a row to, you know, take my child to school or to, you know, what watch my baby for two hours or whatever it is." That's the kind of radical stuff that, yeah. to me, yeah. builds relationships. Um, I said to my neighbor just yesterday, I said. I'm not even going to say that it's, um, you know, that it's not a, a sacrifice for me. It, but you're worth the sacrifice. That's the point, yeah. is that you're worth it. I want to do this for your baby. I want to do this for you. So let me in, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to get over that. And that's one of the principles that um, – so it's kind of two principles. Be willing to be a burden, but also realize you're the only one who can – meet your husband's yeah. marriage needs, his yeah. emotional needs. That's good. And lots of people can meet. And we are designed in families so that lots of people can speak into our children, yeah. right? So, Yeah, and the, the more you widen the circle, even in marriage, we have lots of young couples who come over to our porch, it's an invitation, <laughs> <laughs> and just sit in the back and argue mm -hmm. or work through things or say, help us, are we going crazy? <laughs> And this is a way of widening the circle, too, of mm -hmm. allowing other people to speak into your parenting, your marriage, how you're handling yourself before God. You know, all of these things, uh, if you widen the circle, it's just a great principle. It looks like community. It looks like we're the body of Christ, and we actually belong to each other, mm -hmm. and we are our brothers and sisters keepers. Yeah. You know, so that, that to me, mm -hmm. you know, Makes sense. And another thing that I would say is, this is from uh, Stephen Covey, but seek to understand before yes. being understood. Yes. And another way that I would have said that is um, in tr instead of seeing marriage as fulfilling me or meeting all of my needs, instead marriage is the place that you're called in to serve. You're, you, you get to see this beautiful one that that God has you know given you the heart for and you say I see glimpses of what Jesus is doing mm -hmm. in you yeah like just like the Michelangelo with the David mm -hmm. and he's working through it and he said I cut away everything that wasn't David and that's exactly what we're called to do mm -hmm. with with our spouse you know is to serve so that they could be um, brilliant before Christ mm -hmm. and being made in his image 
in countless ways. And I think marriage is a key place mm-hmm. where that happens. And it's, ouch, ouch, that hurts, that right, hurts. Right. But it's brilliant, and, yeah. you know. Yeah, marriage is one of God's most direct ways for transforming our lives into yeah. his likeness. Yeah. And, yeah. and right. one of the most painful yeah. ways exactly as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, kind of some summary principles uh, that Abby and I have gleaned from you all in some ways is we're a team. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, yep. I'm on your team. You're you're my Mm -hmm. teammate. Mm -hmm. And then we say this in front of our kids all the time. Your mom is my favorite person. Right. It's you're not my favorite person. I love Mm -hmm. you to death, children. Mm -hmm. You're my favorite 11 year old. You're Mm -hmm. my favorite eight year old. But my favorite person on the planet is your mom. Mm -hmm. Just so you know that that's sort of what you're saying. The emotional need there. Mm -hmm. I can only meet that for Abby. Abby can only meet that for for me. Therefore, you are my favorite Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. nobody else gets that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's that's awesome. How about when you talk about all your years of marriage and the marriage counseling on the back porch? <laughs> what are some of the common myths that couples believe or pitfalls that they get stuck in? The one that we see over and over again, um, either before people get married, and we'll say, you know, tell us about how you fight. Oh, we never, we don't fight. You know, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> um, um, or, you know, when people are having hard times in their marriage is the myth is that this won't be hard right. a lot. Happily ever after. Yeah, after, happily right? ever yeah. after. Right. Um, that, and when people, if you believe that it won't be hard, what happens is when it gets hard, which it gets hard for every single person. I mean, Robbie is, like Todd said, Robbie's my favorite person on the planet. I, I don't think they're there is a better person for me to be married to. I admire him. I look up to him. I just am so in love with him. But being married to him is still really hard. Yeah. So no matter what everybody else thinks, he's the greatest person on the planet. He's, it's hard to be married to him. <laughs> and so if that gives anybody any hope. Uh, so it's hard. And when it gets hard, people can get in, disenchanted. Yes. They can yeah. be like, something is wrong. Instead of being like, no, this is when you roll up your sleeves. Mm -hmm. This is when you let down your guard. This is when you move towards the person. This is when you listen to learn. Um, This is when you stopped acting like you know everything. Um, To me, those are the hard moments. And if, if you're believing this lie that something is wrong, when you hit those hard times, you won't be able to get through them. You're not as equipped because you're sad about the fact that you're in not just in marital marital bliss so you're dealing with that grief instead of going oh no i knew this was coming yeah. this is time for me to roll up my sleeves mm-hmm. and and um put down my guard mm-hmm. and i think our culture has given us the disney world effect of and they lived happily ever after so then everything that janet's saying when we hit you know the the bumps that's ha- happened daily. We think something's wrong. They they were supposed to live happily ever after. Yeah. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to ever have any issues like this. And I think that that's not even a biblical understanding at all. Mm-hmm. Two broken, selfish yeah. people are brought together. And you know, Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, marriage is a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What in the world? Yeah. And God is using this in a unique way to build his kingdom. But it is hard work like any kingdom building mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, it's also been hard because marriage has exposed so much of my sin, mm-hmm. right? And so much of my flaws, mm-hmm. um, where it's like this mirror that's being held up to me yep. that I don't necessarily want to look in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when we think that there's not going to be conflict or when mm-hmm. we do encounter conflict, it's negative. Um, it's also where growth happens, right? Like right. we grow in this uncomfortable place as individuals but also as spouses and um so that myth i think it totally permeates our culture but it's one that's worth digging our heels in on and saying like we need to kind of uproot that Mm -hmm. yeah and it goes back to motivations because some people my personality type being one i'm not a fan of conflict (laughs) but i've learned over time that conflict can pave the way to healthy intimacy this depth of knowing one another, and I have to be open to looking at the mirror mm-hmm. that right. my wife is sure showing me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you look this way. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> Stop showing me that stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
with the trust, kind of the healthy components of marriage, it paves that way. And but Robbie, while you were talking, we the happily ever after concept, and I think that is somewhat the disservice of a wedding. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mess a little bit here uh, because you and I both love a good wedding. Uh, we all do. We all love a good wedding. <laughs> uh, but as performing ceremonies is one of my favorite things to do. Um, but we can of, often sugarcoat or gloss over the fact that, hey, you've arrived. Mm-hmm. And so you just step off this platform, this altar, into marital bliss. But you're actually stepping into a Spartan race. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what's happening is wow. that you're teaming up to conquer this, but you are going mm-hmm. to come across some major challenges. So mm-hmm. it's not just like, hey, everything's good now. The hardest thing so far was wedding planning. No, no, no. Marriage <laughs> is going to be the most challenging thing right. from mm-hmm. here on out. Right. So just some reality that I think we've all That's experienced. Good. So we've talked principles. We've talked, debunked a few myths there. What about habits of healthy marriage that have helped you all along the way? Well, Janet and I, so th- this might be a little bit different for introverts. So you got to kind of find your way on this. Mm-hmm. Janet and I are both extroverts, and we love to talk. <laughs> so really, the best habit that we've been in is making sure that we're having conversations about what's really going on. You know, not only taking time, you know, daily, even if it's 930 when you're tired, mm-hmm. which the ebb and flows of our eras, if you're chasing kids around all day, mm-hmm. probably at 930, you're not as lively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still I trying know. to find the right time. Yeah. And it might be enlarging the circle so that you have other people watching your kids or hanging out for a while. But you need the time to talk and to connect and, and to connect to listen, to listen well, to listen to learn. Instead of just, we're going to talk so that I can get this off my chest. It's really, we're going to talk so I can hear your heart, mm-hmm. too, because I don't have that information. I'm at a loss here of, you know, what our disconnect is or even what you're thinking about something that's great. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been one of our best habits is really being willing to, to pursue each other's heart through yeah. talking. And like Robbie said, we're not really habitual people. Like, we're not the people that have, you know, had a date night every Friday for, you know, 50 years or whatever. We're not those people. Um, We're not the family that's done family devotions the same way or even had them. We're just, we're we're a lot more random than that. So when I think about habits, um, my mind goes back to principles Mm -hmm. again and just finding a way to say we really do want to make sure that Christ is the center of our marriage, that, that I'm praying for my husband that that his heart will be the heart of God in all areas of his life, um, how he treats me, how he treats our children, how he treats other people, and that he's um, seeking to know God. So, mm-hmm. so having a Christ-centered marriage, but that looks different in different stages. And, you know, if anybody needs permission for that, I want to give you that. I wanted to say, you know what, it's going to look different. You, when you say habit, yeah. If you're not like a structured person, and we are not, uh, it's going to look different, mm-hmm. you know. But if you have some principles, if you say this is what matters to us, and we're going to live out of these values, then um, you know those can flesh out in different habits, from different times. Mm-hmm. And, and what have your checks on that been? You know, like what, where have you guys been, or how have you guys said, hey, we're missing the mark on this principle. Mm-hmm. We're missing the mark on this value. Mm-hmm. A little off script. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Fantastic. Which one's that? They all went into contemplative mode. They're I like, know. Mm-hmm. That's a good <laughs> question. It like sounded that great. Like, yeah, yeah. Can we talk yeah. about that for a little while? <laughs> 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 the, fir- the first thing I think of is <laughs> that we, we, we don't get along as well. Mm. You know, yeah. that's my yeah. first thought yeah. is that 
if, if all of a sudden we're in a lot of conflict, we should that should be our red flag of going, how are we doing with our principles right now? Mm-hmm. Um, are, we, are we making Christ the center? Are we finding time to talk it out? Um, or are we just, you know, going to our separate corners more because we don't have time or we're, you know, or are we putting our kids first when we know better? We know better mm-hmm. than to do that. Um, and so uh, that's my first thought is we're in conflict. So... Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, what jumps out at me, we've created this motto maybe a couple of years ago, live like you're loved. Mm-hmm. So that has a lot to do with our identity in Christ, yeah. that if you move towards, towards the day with, I know at the deepest place, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If I can work out of that, and I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm not trying to get my own way. Instead, I'm already loved at the deepest level. Now let me live out of that. So that's the same thing with us. Yeah. And I think when I, I notice when we're arguing or when we're struggling, if I'm working under the pre- presupposition that I don't know that she functionally loves me right now, I know deep, deep, deep she does, but I'm not feeling this at this moment, then I'm on the wrong page. Mm. I am not living out our principle of live like you're loved. If I know her love, now I'm going to respond to her, not in I have to keep my ground and I've got to really, you know, protect myself. But instead, if I'm loved, then I'm able to listen to her heart and move towards and and listen to her feedback on me. So I think that's kind of like almost a speedometer, um, like your oil light is on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the dashboard, like if if I feel functionally like one of us is not living towards each other like we're loved right now, but that we've got to stand our ground or we're feeling very defensive, then that's at least something to say, let's go back here first and make sure that we're regrouping and I want to boil down what you're what you're sharing is because couples have a way of labeling one another, and it's usually the phrase "you always" or "you mm. never." Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a negative label. Yeah. When you place that on somebody, how can they ever recover? Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you have the habit of branding truth mm-hmm. in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Say we're going to live like we're loved, mm-hmm. and we're going to trust that what they're doing, like you were saying, Diana, is we're going to assume the best, we're going to believe the best. You're placing truth as identity, yeah. not this this lie or this, we might be doing something that's out of line, mm-hmm. but that's not our truth. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, God says who we are, yeah. and mm-hmm. you are actually accusing God's truth in us and who we are. So that habit of mm-hmm. brand each other with the truth of God mm-hmm. and find your own wording and phrase that connects mm-hmm. with you all that's kind of true to that's right your union yeah in fact janet even made a uh, a beautiful kind of designed woodwork that is in our kitchen that is that says live like you're loved mm-hmm. and literally as we were going through our notes it's hovering over us yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. live like you're loved mm-hmm. here it is yeah uh, okay yeah Keep not that it's better to be stupid <laughs> no we don't have that one yet. Okay. i can work yet. on that okay. one <laughs> But the live like you're loved goes uh, all the way down. It, yeah. it certainly applies to marriage, but it's really based right. in just grace. Yeah. You know, yeah. that you do you live every day with the solid knowledge that God loves you. He couldn't love you more. Mm-hmm. And when you when you stand in that, your good works comes out of it. Your um, your your. Um, just being gracious to other people comes out of it. So many positive, positive things come out of just being able to say, don't forget who you are. You mm-hmm. are a loved child. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's who you are. That's your identity. Yeah. So, I'm really curious for you, Diana, just what you're hearing as a new mom, right? Because I don't remember the first year of all of my kids' lives. I'm on track to not remembering. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, you know, I can throw out all these great ideas and it's just, I feel out of touch because a parent's listening like, I haven't slept in 72 hours. (laughs) What are you talking about? So what what do you hear and how do you connect principles and habits to your phase of marriage and parenting? Yeah. So I think what I hear even 
um, just practically is like widening our circle. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very blessed that my parents live 10 minutes down the road from us. They, you know, watch our baby when we both go to work every day. And, you know, my mom and my dad have both said like, hey, take a date night. Like you let us know which night we need to stay late and yeah. you guys go grab dinner or go for a walk or, you know, whatever. Um, and we've yet to sort of, you know, capitalize on that offer, mm-hmm. um, partly because we don't want to be a burden yes. to my parents yeah. who are doing so much for us already. Um, but on the flip side, because, you know, we both are away from our baby for, yeah. you know, eight hours a day. And so we want those moments with him. And so I think what I'm kind of extracting from this mainly is that like, I need to invest in something that's, that's going to last and not because I'm not always going to be a mom. I'll always be a mom, even when, you know, like you're both always parents, even though your girls are out of the home. Um, but one day, you know, I'm going to pack up my baby and he's going to go live somewhere and go to college or wherever. And the house is going to be me and Tyler. Um, so I think just in investing in that and, and even if it feels uncomfortable or countercultural or whatever it may be, um, knowing that that is ultimately the best gift we could give our, our kids right. is a secure marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your marriage will, and I'm having a hard time trying phrasing this, but your marriage will outlast the kids in your home, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Unless you're those families who have 20 children. It's like your children will outlast your marriage. That's, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but that, that idea yeah, there yes. is that you're making an, an investment in something that will outlast something that won't. Right, that has a, a time, as long as your marriage time limit. You know, yeah. that, yeah, you'll always be a parent. You know, right. But uh, with them in your home. So that's I'm tracking with that. Um, let's get into advice here. So just kind of two questions to wrap up our time. So starting with the advice for couples when it comes to investing in their marriage while exhausted from raising kids, which mm-hmm. Dinah has kind of alluded to. Mm-hmm. But we can go any, you know, we can go any level. We can do the surface level. Like we just need time to talk or time to plan or time to be physically intimate, like all mm-hmm. those sort of things. When you're exhausted, everything like everything like that goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Therefore, health of the marriage goes mm-hmm. out the window. And you look back five years, two years, five years, 10 years, and you're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. We got really mm-hmm. tired <laughs> and we pushed these things off. So how would you speak into the the couple's lives who are just exhausted and they're putting their marriage on the back burner. And y'all can look at me <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I had in my mind is that you are a steward. Mm-hmm. You're not an owner. You are a steward. You're a steward of your soul. You're a steward of your marriage. And you're a steward of your children. So functionally, those children that you are exhausted from actually belong to Jesus, not you. And sometimes when we get confused with that and we make ourselves more responsible than we actually are, Mm. then we're going to say, oh, I've got to spend as much time as as possible because, well, how much is enough? I don't know. I'm just supposed to be all Mm. the time. Well, that's being out of balance of stewarding my soul before God only I can steward my soul. It belongs to him, but I am supposed to be monitoring how, how am I growing with him? How am I keeping him the first priority of everything going on? How am I stewarding my marriage and my love affair with my wife mm-hmm. well? And if I'm not doing that well, it, it, everything's getting out of whack. Mm-hmm. So to an exhausted person, I might say, okay, look at your time flow what's losing in the stewardship yeah because all of these are you're being equally called to you are not primarily a parent you're not primarily a spouse before god this is all integrated so that's kind of at least and and it'll get you back to widening the circle mm-hmm. yeah. at yeah. the end of the day that's really the 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 truth of the stewardship says invite others in to carry that burden with you to lighten your load. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase that mm-hmm. you and Abby said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. my thought about that is the same as Robbie's of just making sure that you have a circle of people that you can ask to help you. Mm-hmm. And then that you give yourself 
a break. That I mean, really, like give yourself a break yeah. kind of a thing. Not just take a break, but if you're believing, I can't, there's no, I, this has to be, you know, whatever those things are that you, this has to be done at work or the world is going to stop if I don't fill in the blank. You know, it, that's just, those aren't, that's not true. And all you have to do is, you know, go on a mission trip to realize that mm. that's just part of our culture, that mm-hmm. nobody else lives like that. Yeah. And so give yourself a break and just say, you know what? I need time. And so because I recognize I need the time, I'm going to have to find somebody to help me. And if I don't have anybody, then I got to cultivate relationships. Yeah. I've got to be a helper to other people and let them, you know, so that having neighbors or girlfriends that have little kids that you can just be like, can we swap out? You know, yeah. um, it makes yeah. a, a big We don't difference. have to be busy. Right. We don't yeah. have to overschedule our lives. And that's mm-hmm. the lie that our culture leads yes. right. us to believe. Right. Yeah. The busier you are, the more successful or accomplished or mm-hmm. w- competent, whatever that mm-hmm. is. And that's mm-hmm. way off. Yeah. And it causes us to neglect the things that matter most. You're talking about mm-hmm. self-care a little bit mm-hmm. in there as well. But we end up neglecting our marriage because mm-hmm. – and probably the, the greatest truth here and more painful is we make our kids our idols mm-hmm. yeah. that we just bow before mm-hmm. and we offer them their time, our money, and we just give mm-hmm. it to them mm-hmm. in that way and we neglect mm-hmm. some things that are really, really important. Yeah. Well, Mark, we think that we think that um, our kids, we have to line up, you know, a hundred things for our kids to have the perfect yeah. future. Mm-hmm. Also, Todd, you're making me think about that. And, you know, I remember Robbie and I, we, when we made the, literally made the decision, it is not our goal for our children to be nuclear physicists. You know, like that's not, like literally we're like, that's not our goal. So, you know, they don't have to have, they don't have to get a scholarship to Harvard because thank God we don't really think that they're going to be nuclear physicists. Mm -hmm. And so it gave us this kind of like a, okay, so what do we want them to hold on to from their childhood? Yeah. Like, what are the things about their childhood that we hope they will take into adulthood? Mm -hmm. And when you ask that question, it totally changes the list of 100 things you think they have to have. You know, they have to get into the right preschool or they have to get into Charlotte Latin or they or, you know, be on this sport travel team or whatever it is that it's like they don't have to. Mm -hmm. These are all choices. And like Robbie said, I loved it. You're stewarding these choices for your children but they're not god's not going oh no please what why did you decide that you know like he's not you know (laughs) and so just recognizing that your kids are in god's hands and that he's got the path and but saying what you know what do we want them to to yeah. take into so for us it was we wanted them to value going to church and so that was one of the things so we just were like you know what we're gonna we're gonna make sure that church is our highest priority for them that no sport no club no nothing is going to take place of this you know and so that was a choice that we decided yeah. you know so um but you know just yeah. resting that resting realizing god you've got them yeah, we mm-hmm. knew what, the day we found out we were having this child, adopting this child, whatever. We knew that day we were sure whose whose miracle this was. Mm. Yeah. But then as they start to grow, we're like, wait, I think I have more a job to do here or a job to do there. And so I go, no, they're still yours. They're yeah. still yours. Mm-hmm. And even if I make a bad decision, you've got it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and framing it like that frees you up yeah. from the habits. To be able, being able to create these guiding principles. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, there's good a great podcast out there called uh, "The Long Game." I think it's Parenting with the mm-hmm. Long Game in Mind with Janet Fisher. Oh, okay. And so Ooh. you can go back uh, through our list of podcasts, mm-hmm. and you address that mm-hmm. really in depth. Mm-hmm. And then Deanna Lee uh, was on the podcast, and she talked about the parent's secret weapon, which is all about widening the circle mm-hmm. there as well. So you got nice. a couple to go back into. Nice. Yeah. you got to take this mm-hmm. a little bit further. It's mm-hmm. really great. Well, let's wrap up with how parents can get on the same page when it comes to marriage and parenting. So kind of this on-the-same-page parenting mm-hmm. idea. One of the best things that I think – I ever did was having that date day yeah. with the kids. Yeah. And so yeah. not only did it allow me to understand Janet, but it also allowed her 
to keep a, a more even keel mm. pace. So it, we were on the same page yeah. of that kind of thing of what's our schedule going to look like in the ebb and flow of there. So that took a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. It, uh, by the way, that was the hardest day of the week. Mm. It was not, you know, a, wow, I, I realized I was out of my comfort zone. I was way more comfortable taking 100 kids to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. than to have two children all day long. <laughs> you know, way more comfortable, man. Where is your home. mother? <laughs> Where is this at? So I think that was, you know, to me, that was a, a big thing. And, and I would say that, you know, realizing that Robbie brought his knowledge of parenting, like what he thought good parenting was, he brought that to our children and then I had my own set of things that I thought was good parenting. And so realizing that that, that's, that was his and that's mine, now we have to make ours. And like, again, taking the time to say, you're not wrong that you think, like our great example was, I when our daughter Ryan um, first got her driver's license, I was like, well, let's go out on the highway and drive 75 miles an hour. Oh and Robbie was like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and so he's more that the mother hen and I'm more the push you out of the nest. Like uh-huh. you can do yeah, this, you can yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah. And so realizing um, his view wasn't wrong yeah. in that moment. I was like, you're wrong. What's wrong with you? But in that, but really to say that's not wrong. It's just different. And it's something we've got to work out together so that, we can raise our kids in a way that we both feel comfortable with. So realizing um, it's hard, right? When you first get married, you think there's a place to put your towel. There's a way to clean the kitchen. There's how many times a week should you take the trash out, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And uh, you realize that people have different sets of those weird kind of things. And Mm -hmm. with parenting, it's no different. Well, this is the way I was raised, or this is the way I saw this person raised, and I was respected that. And so all of that takes, again, what we said at the beginning, if you don't think marriage is hard, if you don't think parenting is hard, you're, you're just you're going to get in worse conflicts than if you just go, oh, here's one of those hard moments. Yeah. Right. Who knew that he would not want Ryan to drive on the highway? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense to me. But we That's had right. to work it out. And look at her now. And look, and at, look her at her now. now. She's, <laughs> She's driving and driving. <laughs> yeah. I always say it, it is uh, the way that I look at whatever this object is on the table. I'm going to call it A because of my experience where I was raised, how my parents are, yeah. like in this mm-hmm. specific example of Ryan driving, my parents are very cautious. And they're kind of watching what's what's going on. They double lock the door at mm-hmm. night and make sure that everything, everybody's safe. And uh, Janet sees that very same item on the table as a B. I see it as an A, she yeah. sees it as a B because of her experiences and how she's lived life and when she came to faith and such. So the trick is it's not A or B. God is doing a new thing and he's making us and it's really a C. Mm -hmm. So how then do we take a portion of the A and a portion of the B and create this new thing and be on the same page? Well, the way forward is a lot of talking. Mm -hmm. The way forward is a lot of feelings hurt and coming back to the square of live like you're loved move towards each other, trust each other's heart. So it's a summary of all of these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to say a lot of stupid things, but you're called to trust that I'm not being mean here, even though I keep saying it's an A and I cannot even visualize it not being A. Yeah. But the way forward is more conversation, more laying down your hands, more serving, instead of me being self-actualized me moving towards Janet and serving and you know that's a lot of somebody said here's a great marriage take two rocks put them in a bag beat the heck out of them pour it out and it's sand Mm -hmm. and you can't tell which grain comes from which but a but a bad marriage is two rocks in a bag whack 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 pouring out it's two rocks Mm. it's still I still see a and you still see b Mm. God is calling us to see but I, neither one of us can see it. Yeah. And what's uh, Ephesians 5? It's before you get into the marriage discussion that Paul yeah. Pritzabi says, submit, submit to one another 
out of, out reverence. of reverence for Christ. That's beautiful. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the way I would have ended That's this it. podcast That's if, I was, that if I was, was thinking. Uh, you want to say... Um, what, Anthony Hardwood, Shaquille O'Neal, and go 1990s uh, right. magic? I like you know? it. But that's probably, we could go to uh, put Michael Jordan in there for a Chicago reference. So. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like, at the end of the day, this is the, the core principle that we submit to one another. We get shaken up in the bag of rocks mm-hmm. out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it. Oh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's always good. It's always so rich and meaningful to have these conversations with y'all. Diana, thank you for co-hosting this. Yeah, with me. thanks for letting me. I think me. we both just kind of sit up here in the stands, <laughs> you know, with our Robbie and Janet foam finger on oh, yeah. number one. And then we just take notes. But thanks for riding along. And uh, Janet, would you say a prayer mm-hmm. for us as we wrap mm-hmm. this up? Yeah. Be great. Father, um, thank you so much for your grace and that you do love us. There's nothing you, we could do uh, to make you love us more. I pray for the parents listening to this podcast, God. I pray that you would uh, give them peace and rest and joy. I pray you would give them hope um, and assurance that you um, you have their kids, you have them, and that you're guiding them. I pray that these words, Lord, um, would encourage them and that you would use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Parent on parents, you got this. Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest to you, visit foresthill.org.